everybody. Welcome to Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I am Chris. And I am Ben. We're here to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, happenings, random thoughts, just about everything else you can imagine in the sports world, even your random off-the-wall questions at times. Episode 52, really, really fun show planned out for you today. We have our uh, NBA Hall of Fame Class 2020 review, a lot of big names on there. Then we just touch on the NFL Draft, just to look at the top five prospects, uh, and what a certain high-performing young player may need to get to the next level. We will then go and do a top 10 defensive player of all time list. Much like all of our other lists, just a disclaimer, this is our opinion on players we have personally seen we felt had a big impact. There are many players from the past, played a bigger role, had better stats. This is players we've seen during our lifetime. So I'm going to stop rambling and let Ben get into the NBA Hall of Fame class of 2020. So we have some big names. Uh, to respect all the uh, people that are on the list, I'm going to start from the bottom of the list and work my way up. Uh, we have uh, Patrick Bauman of FIBA. Um, I don't know who he is, but he's an exec- a longtime executive. Uh, so respect to him. Uh, Barbara Stevens, she's a D2 college coach. Um, quite a few championships in Division II. Mm-hmm. So congratulations to her. Kim Mulkey, uh, a women's college basketball coach. Uh, I believe I think it was uh, Tennessee. I thought I saw it said. Uh, a couple championships. Uh, so congratulations to her. Uh, Tamika Ketchings, WNBA multiple-time all-star, multiple-time champion, four-time gold medalist. So she racked up quite a bit of uh, hardware in her career. And I, I would venture that even people who aren't necessarily big in the following the WNBA have heard her name before. Uh, yes. I would think. Yeah, so. I mean, I'm not a huge WA person, but I know the name. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rudy Tomjanovich, Tom um, professional head coach, won a few championships, I believe, with the Lakers. Um, so I want to say I'm not 100% sure, but I think he's moved on like he's passed away. Well, if you haven't, then we're sorry about that because uh, Ben apparently he has, he has, but has I, written I, you off already without I'll, knowing. So uh, apologies for that, Rudy. But if he's still here, congratulations. Um, I mean, even if you're not, congratulations. Just sorry to hear that. I mean, uh, Eddie Sutton, a college head coach. I, I don't know. I'm not familiar with Eddie Sutton, but... Uh, congratulations, Eddie Sutton. And then we get to the players that you'll probably know. I'm going to start with Kevin Garnett, which is touches touches my heart a little bit because I watched the 09 season. And the 09 season was we watched pretty much every season besides that too. Uh, before that, like before before 08, uh, yeah, I, I mean 07 was an absolute train wreck. I think they set a record for 18 straight losses. Yeah, they were bad. Paul Pierce was not playing because of injury. And there was rumors he was going to get traded in the offseason. And even Kevin Garnett didn't really want to come here until they made the Ray Allen trade. And then he came here. He changed changed the atmosphere, changed the philosophy, brought a defensive presence. Should have won three titles. But he got injured one year. And then the other year, they traded Perkins, Kendrick Perkins, their uh, starting center, who didn't get a lot of, of stats, but he was uh, one of those junkyard dogs. 
and they relied on Rashid Wallace and Shaquille O'Neal to take them to the championship, which didn't happen. Yeah. Hey, who did Kevin Garnett have when he was on the Timberwolves? Latrell Sprewell. He had um, God, what is his name? It's, it's escaping me. Any NBA fans gonna know the name? Uh, uh, Sam Cassell. All right, so these, these aren't nobodies, but nowhere near the player of Garnett's stature. Kevin Garnett is one of the few players I can remember ever seeing who could literally just take over a game. Yes. I and, mean, I, and, and with their top 10 defensive NFL player, unless you're going to hear me say that phrase quite a bit, and I'm sorry to overdo it, but Kevin Garnett was the kind of player you watched him, you just knew you were watching something special. Yes. He was so good. He was so fluid in everything he did. Like, he just – I remember he wouldn't let anybody, even even if there was a foul or the, the shot clock ran out, somebody shot a ball at the hoop, even like a practice shot. He would jump up and deflect and, and, and block it because he just weren't, you weren't getting a ball into the hoop. And he really didn't have to jump too high? No, he was pretty tall, yeah. He didn't yeah. really have to, but he I think he did just for effect. But, but KG was... Incredible. KG was special, and I wish he could have got three rings um, because I think they had an, a good enough team together for long enough to get three rings but unfortunately they only got one which in retrospect should be enough um but he, he was just a special player i loved watching i wish i could have watched him live uh, i never got that opportunity but i watched the entire 08 season 08 09 season uh and especially coming off the heels of the 07 08 just train yeah wreck. massacre it was awful and i'm just watching them for uh watching him with the celtics for i think it was like five five or six years it was just yeah and i'm sorry this is a very unpopular opinion and i will stand by this you can argue with me all you want and i'm talking to anybody out there not not just you ben but should not retire his number after yeah. five seasons i'm sorry i don't know how good i don't care how good those five seasons are don't retire somebody's number after five years come on guys you're the celtics you have a historic historic franchise you don't need to be just handing out number of retirements willy-nilly well unfortunately if, if chris if you look at the uh, I, I first off i agree with you um i just want to get the uh, exact number of how many years he played with the Celtics. so I, th- I think it was five or six i mean that sounds right to me five or six but uh, but i agree with you because the boston celtics have retired way too many players. And I love Kevin Garnett. I, I love Kevin Garnett when he was on the Timberwolves, not just when he was on the Celtics. To be honest, I wasn't really following basketball that heavily when he was traded to the Celtics. And I thought what they gave up to get him in that trade was pretty ridiculous until I saw how he fit into that team. Then I was like, all right, I can see I can see your point why you gave up what you did for him. Because I thought he was kind of past his prime. And he really played his ass off when he came to Boston. Oh, but yeah, they gave up. They gave up. I mean, the the... the prime part of the deal was uh, Al Jefferson and he never turned out to be what they expected him to be. Six, six seasons. Yeah. And then he got traded, which by the way, they fleeced the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. That was, that with was a something. package of, of, of Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett for, I think it was three first, three future first round picks, which produced Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum, yeah, which is the the core of the team yeah. currently. So I mean, no, and no disrespect to Paul Pierce or Kevin Garnett. I, I'm love Paul Pierce. Uh, like I said, always always love KG too, even when he wasn't on the Celtics. But man, at those three guys at those stage in, at, at their st- that stage in their career, they yeah, fleeced is not even the word for it. 
But to get back to your point, um, they they unfortunately they they retire too many numbers. Like they they are getting they're getting to the point where they're going to run out of numbers. I mean, thankfully for them, there's only twelve people on the NBA roster, so I mean they'd have to retire a lot before they run out of them. But I, I just I, again, this isn't any disrespect to KG, but it's it's you don't get your number retired after six years. If you played for for a team for six seasons and you won five championships and then something unfortunate happened, I could understand it then. But KG played somewhere else. Came here, played his ass off for six years. Thank right. you for that. No disrespect. Was traded somewhere else. That's not that's not a reason to retire someone's number. I think we should move on to the next player. Okay. We got two more to talk to because we'll, um, we'll go on KG all night. Yeah, we'll, we'll... Tim Duncan, I mean, he, he is... Oh, dude. Model of consistency, the big fundamental... Cons- that, class, consistency. I, I can't say enough about him. No. Was Phenomenal almost, player. Should have probably been a Celtic, yeah. but you know the rumors... Yeah. About the cold envelope and yeah. Uh, so San Antonio got lucky with the Tim and the uh, David Robinson injury the year before, which um, gave them the ability to get one of the, the top pick. And then you paired David Johnson at the end of his career with Tim Duncan. And then you just started piling on players. That you started, they, yeah. And you started it, building around Tim Duncan. And it's just, he, he transcends time. Multiple time championship, and, and I can't say enough about him. It's a it's a good class for him to be involved in, and we'll we'll top it off. I know I'm shortening uh, Tim Duncan a little bit, but we went a little long on Kevin. Uh, Kobe Bryant. I mean, we know he was going to be a, a first ballot. Yeah, well, was it had it been five years since he retired? I believe so. Even if it wasn't, I can understand them putting him in. I don't have a problem with it, honestly. Like, if I think I think if a player were still we're still alive. We're still with us. And then you say, you were so great. You're going to bypass the five years. I think that's disrespecting the game. I think, I believe it had been five years for Kobe anyways. But even if it hadn't, given his untimely passing a few months ago, I have no problem with them brushing him in and saying, okay, you know what? You're in. That's fine. But I believe the um, years that you have to wait are shorter in the NBA. Are they? I thought it was five years pretty much across the board. No, because he's only been out since 16. Okay. But he does – he's – we understand what he had in the middle of his career. Yes. What happened. We understand that. That being said, he was one of the greatest of all times. Mm-hmm. He will be thought of as a pillar of the NBA of this era. Like, you, you don't speak of this era – much like you don't speak of the 90s without Jordan. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. You yeah. don't speak of the 2000s without mentioning Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. He's just that good. Um, and he – did he get help from big men? Yeah, he got help from big men. Um, Shaq first and then uh, Paul Gasol. Some other players that helped him along. But no, there, there's not one player – like not even LeBron James – a young LeBron James, and it's like it was the second or third season. He dragged a garbage Cavaliers team to the finals, and then got smoked by the San Antonio Spurs, right? Which was their their first in the two thousands. But even even LeBron at his best, and I would say I would contest it was not this 
not last year, but the year before, where he dragged a Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, his last year in Cleveland, he dragged a Cleveland Cavalier team that just had nothing to the NBA Finals. And then again, gets smoked by the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Even the, even him, he needs help. Because he didn't get anything. Uh, he got one championship in Cleveland, but he had some pieces at the right time. And then in Miami, we know, we know what kind of team he formed with D-Wade D and, and Yeah, Chris you had the, the best friends club coming together and going, oh, let's all go play here. Yeah, that, yeah, that. I'm not, they, they won down in Miami. No, no, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Feel how you feel about that. I, that doesn't impress me so much because you had a bunch of guys who were coming up for free agency who pretty much got together and said, we're all going to go play for that franchise. So a stat correction, um, three years for a player. Oh, three years in the NBA? Three years for okay. a player, retired coach, or a referee. Okay. Must be fully retired. So it used to be five, and I don't know when they changed it, but at some point. Uh, they changed it to four in 2015, and then 2017 they changed it to three. So and I, I do believe you said also the Spurs' first championship game against the Cavaliers. I believe it came against the Knicks in that shortened season. Like the they faced in the championship? Yes. I know they face. I know they did face the Cavaliers, but I believe they they faced the Knicks first. Well, no, because they're in two different conferences. Spurs are in the Western Conference, a Western Conference, and uh, the Knicks and the Cavs. Are you saying the Cavs and the? No, I'm saying in the finals, the Spurs faced the Knicks. I don't it was know, in the shortened season. The '99 one. And I mentioned the. So the 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 first Spurs champion. I meant it was in the, the first one in the 2000s. Oh, okay. Okay. Which you're correct. Short in season. I wasn't sure on the year or the timing of that, but okay. But the next one that they faced, it, it was um, the Spurs. Okay. Or the. Or uh, the, the I was wrong. Sorry, well, technically you weren't because you said 2000s, so you were right. It wasn't the first one though. Yeah, huh. but it wasn't the first one in 2000. So, anyways, um, yeah, I mean, congratulations, to all those guys. I mean, we oh, don't yeah. we don't have to sit there and, and run down all their accomplishments. We did a little bit, but it's some really great careers there. And like you said, even with Kobe, he had some of that that legal trouble somewhere in the middle of his career. A lot can be said about that one way or another. We're strictly talking about the the player on the on the court and what he accomplished. Uh, would and I mean was second to just about no one. And I'd like to add on, on the court. I like to add on one thing is I don't between the NFL, the NHL, and the NBA. They seem to be they do committees, which makes sense because everything's behind closed doors and there's no unanimous this, unanimous that. They they seem to have it like tightened up and and you don't really know what happens. Mm-hmm. Which you're, is fine. you're in or you're not, right? Which is fine. The base baseball again does it totally different, and you know by percentage how much they you know they get. And the committees in the other sports, I don't know what they're made of. They're not all sports writers. Whereas uh, for the M- MLB Hall of Fame, it's all sports writers. Mm-hmm. Whether they're uh, old old um, media, new media, what have you. Um, I think that's one thing they should – they're not going to correct. They should correct. Like if you take the Heisman, uh, a majority of the voters for the Heisman – are ex Heisman Trophy, well not ex, but 
former Heisman Trophy award winners, plus some media members. And I think if you put, if the Major League Baseball puts, they're not going to, but if they put some people in the game that played the game, not just these, the BBWAA, maybe have a little bit more gravitas and a little more respect. Whereas you just look at it and you just say, because we just looked at, we looked at the list. I did not mention how many votes Kobe got, which I would assume he would have gotten unanimous. You would think we would have thought Jeter would have been too, and uh, Griffey would have been too. And... Right, and and I'm I'm not I don't know if Kevin Garnett got 100 percent or did he get 80 percent or how many you know how close right. was he not to get? I, we're conditioned to not really care about this one, you know, about the NFL. For some reason, we're conditioned only for the MLB, and again, it's another part of they're doing it to themselves. Right. Yeah, I, agree. I, 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 the, I like the other three major sports, the way they do it, where they just, like you said, they have the committee and they just, they go into a room, they discuss it, they come out and they say, these guys are in. It's fair enough. And, and that's all you need to know. You're a Hall of Famer or you're not. You're, you're no less a Hall of Famer in, in baseball if you get, uh, what, what is the cutoff, 60, 75%? 75, I believe yeah. 75 or 70. So if you get 81% or you are Mariano Rivera and we're unanimous, you're Hall of Famer. You're in Cooperstown regardless. So why do we need the percentages? Why do we need, you know, for the hubris of some of these writers who can say, I was the only one who didn't vote for this person. doesn't matter. It's not about you. It's about the players and their accomplishments. And, Go and into it, a room, vote, say you're in or you're out. That's it. And it's closed door, so you don't really know who's, I, I would assume you don't really know who's in the room voting. But I like that. I do. I mean, we're conditioned for MLB to be the way it is right now. Right. I think it needs to change. We know in many, not... many ways. Yeah. But we know it's not going to happen. Though. No, unfortunately. All right, Chris. Well, from Hall of Fame discussion to some guys who may be future Hall of Famers. Correct. We have the, bro, you more precisely. This, yeah. Have broken down the, what you believe to be, I, I assume this is the top five prospects in your mind. These are the top five how they should be ranked. This right. is not how they will be drafted. No, I was going to say, I, I don't, I don't see yeah, that. There's a but... certain name you don't see. Yeah. And this is, this is what happens every year. Chris is you'll see, you know, before he got the GM job, Mike Mayock, he'll have his list. Charles Davis on NFL.com. He'll have his list. DJ Jeremiah. He'll have his list. I go NFL.com because or NFL network, because I don't really watch the other one. Right. But, You'll just see the top five, like Todd McShay or, or Mel Kuyper will do their top, their mm-hmm. top fifty or top twenty players, but that doesn't mean that's how they're going to be drafted. No. Because I'll, I'll give it away right now. My top five list does not have Joe Burrow. You say why? He did it for one season. Right. Exactly. He had an exceptional season, which is why he, both pre, uh, before this last season. He was not in the first round. He was probably second or third round. And it was to just depend on how the season went. Because if you, if you know college, fo- college ba- uh, football, he was backing up in Ohio State the year before and didn't get, couldn't get the job right. from D- uh, Dwayne Haskins. And then Justin Fields transferred from Georgia to Ohio State because he couldn't get ahead of Jake Fromm. And Justin Fields, as soon as Justin Fields went there, Joe Burrow transferred to LSU. So, in a nutshell, uh, 
I respect what Joe Burrow did this season. Great season. Fantastic performance. I'm going to slide him out of the top five just because he did it for one season. Well, you're right. You're not saying Joe Burrow is not going to be a good player. You're saying is you you want your top five players to have more consistency than just one season. Consistency, abilities, stats, production. Right. And, your, and what I see, um, not just in the combine, but on the field. Okay. Okay. And Joe Burrow, unfortunately, checks a couple boxes, but one box, one big box is that he just did it for one year. And I can link him, unfortunately, it's going to be ugly. Link him to a one Jamarcus Russell, who I believe only had one season at LSU. And how are the aforementioned LA Raiders liking that deal? I don't know. They hated it so much they moved to Vegas. Yes. So, with that being said. Yeah, I want to do your list. You want to go five to one or one to five? I'm going to go five to five to one. Okay. What do you got? Uh, CeeDee Lamb, wide receiver out of Oklahoma. In three years. This is three years, Chris. This is not four years. 173 catches, 3,292 yards, and 32 touchdowns. He racked up a nice, nice. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Keep in mind now, for college, you have, what, 12 to 13 games? Yes. You're not playing 16 like the NFL. Nope. And he played at Oklahoma if they got into blowout games, which unfortunately wasn't as as often as, say, Alabama because Oklahoma's defense was absolutely horrible. But in games that he could sit out, they would sit him out uh, for parts of the, uh, parts of the season. Uh, he's a speed guy, return man. So he has some of those um, – Weapons in his arsenal. I like them at to go to Arizona. That that's off the board. Yeah, you know, thanks he, to Bill O'Brien giving away uh, uh, um, DeAndre Hopkins. Well, yeah. I couldn't remember his name. Sorry, DeAndre. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins for essentially, uh, well, you know, an autograph football. <laughs> and uh, it looks like Mr. Lamb is looking for a new home. And and I thought about, and I'll just briefly mention this. I thought about Jerry Judy from Alabama as uh, number five. But I heard something the other day that, that scared me. And and there's another wide receiver that, that came out of Alabama recently that has made a name in the NFL, and he's your favorite wide receiver in the entire league. Chris. Oh, Mario Cooper? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, let me go back and look at Jerry Judy, making sure he doesn't have some of the other stigma that Amari Cooper has. Overrated hack. Number four, Jeff Akuda, cornerback out of Ohio State. Not blazing speed, but the guy has length. He is he is one of those mugging type of cornerbacks. Uh, only three, three interceptions? Only three interceptions. I know. I know. It's not big numbers. But if you watch him on tape, the guy's good. The guy's got talent. A lot of corners, though, man, we're, as we're going to find out on our, our top ten corner list, don't get a chance to rack up those stats because if you're if you're that good at blanket coverage and you're a shutdown corner, a lot of times the ball just doesn't come your way. Yes. So you could have the the best game of the season and have one tackle and one pass defended, and on the stat line it looks like you were a schmuck. Yeah. But you really just shut down one half of the field. And so, that's, and that's part of the reason why is, and 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 they had at Ohio State this past season more specifically, they had some issues on the other side. Of the cornerback, they had some guys going in and out, suspensions, injuries. So they had some inconsistent play, which made it more susceptible to the other side of the ball, or the other side of the field for for opposite of, of Akuda to get uh, more attention. 
but he has the talent. He has the abilities, the length, the vertical. The measurables are there. The ability on the on the field is there. Everyone loves him to go to Detroit to p- replace Darius Slay. They love him going to Detroit before Darius Slay. Now uh, they need him. They need him now. Yeah. <laughs> so the problem would be at one or two is someone jumping up to get Jeff Akuda. I don't think teams are jumping up to get Akuda, but let's not put it out of the realm of possibility. Number three is Tua Tungabailoa, quarterback out of Alabama. Almost 70% completion percentage, 7,000 yards, 87 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. I mean, he didn't play full time. He didn't play. He did not play one full season. No, which is a little alarming if you're going to draft him. I understand. That is alarming. But I'm, I'm, his talent is there. His abilities are there. If you, if you put some true serum in me and said, Ben, you have to pick one player, either Joe Burrow or Tua Tungvaloa, I'm going to the more tape on the field, yeah. more knowledge of the system. He played for three years for one of the hardest coaches in, in college football. I played at a very high level. I played at a very high level. Played, and he they don't win the championship in his freshman year if he's not eligible and he's not playing because he didn't he could have redshirted his first year and he didn't i've seen i've seen reports and articles that a lot of people are moving him way down the draft board and i think you could see the same thing with tua that you saw with an aaron Rodgers, that you saw with lamar jackson a few years ago more on him in a few minutes where look at the injury they look at the history they look at the other quarterbacks who have less less of an injury history maybe more traditional quarterbacks, pocket passers. And I don't know, man, as a, as a fan of a team who needs a quarterback, I kind of have wishful thinking that maybe instead of going at five or six, Mr. Tua might fall way down the board because a lot of teams are getting scared. So there there are two two quarterbacks, Jordan Love and, and Justin Herbert, that could – you could feasibly see them jumping. I've heard Miami might be pivoting to – Justin Herbert, that could also be gamesmanship. We're not sure. We won't know until draft day. But it would be something for Tua to drop to 23. But any team that takes Tua has to know there's a chance he might not be ready. He says he'll be ready. But he Supposing might not he's 100% be. right now. He's, right. he's he going says- to say that. So Obviously. But if I'm a team, and, and Miami's perfect because they have – Fitzpatrick that they can just one season ride with him. But even then, if Tua shows he can play, imagine putting Tua on the field and maybe you can have some magic that Kyler Murray had the year before. Yeah. Yep. And Tua, I think, has a little bit more accuracy than Kyler Murray. Now, this next player um is getting disrespected by some people, uh, specifically, I, I listened to a, a podcast the other day. Um, I don't want to say he was getting trashed, but he was getting pushed to double digits in the draft. And I am, I'm not having this. <laughs> I am not having this. Yeah, you've been high on this guy for as long as I can remember. I actually, I'm not going to reveal his name, which is your list. But I actually went back and watched some video on this guy. 
some video by talking to the damn coach. Some clips online. Yeah. Yeah, this, he's he's a, he's incredible. This is not just a combine machine. Like he's got the measurables, okay? Yeah. He's 64, 200 plus. He ran a 43. Explain what that means people who may not okay. be familiar. So, they run 40 times at the combine. Right. Okay? Linebackers typically run in a a a uh 40 40 yards, I think. Yeah. They typically run anywhere from 46 to 47, some 48. But you what you like in a linebacker is four six. That's a nice number because you add the weight on with the pads and it drops it down a little bit. He ran a four three, which is wide receiver speed. Which is wide receiver cornerback speed. Yeah. Now he did play the first two seasons at safety, and technically he played this last season at linebacker. And I'm talking about, of course, Isaiah Simmons, linebacker slash safety out of Clemson. He's a freak and. If you need to watch anything on him, you go watch the college football playoff against Ohio State. He's playing single high safety. He reads Justin Fields, and he goes from the middle, almost the middle of the field all the way and makes a beeline on the ball. And the receiver, I believe, I think he's more towards the numbers than the uh, out-of-bounds, but he's between the numbers and out-of-bounds line. That's not an easy play for anybody. Yeah, he, can, he can close some. He can close some ground. Is what you're, you're getting. Yes. At. Yeah. He can get a break on the ball. He has all the intangibles. He has everything. And and I, I don't believe because when I started this process, I you know a lot of a, a lot of mock drafts have him at nine, nine eight. No, he's only the Giants. But but that's where it started, and then he hit the combine. Yeah. And he he, he shot up. Yeah. And now I think. For some reason, there's this narrative to try to push him back down. Now, that could be teams in that 8-9 range because I, I think Jacksonville desperately needs someone like this after what the depleted secondary they have. Jacksonville's had somebody like him, for the and they just keep trading him away. I understand that. Jacksonville doesn't deserve somebody like him. I understand that. And and the the so the one problem you'll see teams have is – They'll link him to a player like Deo Buchanan, Devondre Campbell, Deion Jones, this next new wave. I don't think he's any of those players. I think he's the next level. I think he's a – take what Derwin James did in his rookie season. Mm-hmm. Take what Deo Buchanan did early in his career, and that's what you're going to get. Right. And you could play him at safety. You could play him at – at um, linebacker, he'll cover li- he'll cover running backs, he'll cover tight ends, and if you need to drop him back, drop him back. I think he goes. I can I can believe in the draft room. I know the Detroit Lions, the Detroit Lions are going to sit there and consider Isaiah Simmons or Jeff Okuda. I was going to say Washington. Considering, I feel more. like Washington's set on unless they trade out. Yeah, and then whoever trades in, it will will have to see who is there. But I feel like they're because they're they're gonna Ryan Kerrigan's a little getting a little long in the tooth. Yeah, well, I, I think I think as long as trades don't take place, which is a mm-hmm. big if this year, you probably know who's going number one. Yeah, Washington's probably gonna take the next guy you're gonna talk about. Yep, I think Okuda's gonna go to Detroit. I think Simmons is going to the, the Giants at four unless there's trades. Out. I mean, 
Detroit's not known for doing the smart thing. It's true. So even though with the trade of Darius Slay, they desperately need a corner and a guy who can be a shutdown corner potentially, they should take Okuda. They may just say, no, nope, we're going to take Simmons and we just won't have a secondary. I think I think the Giants should take Simmons because there's a lot of smoke there too now. Mm-hmm. They do need O-line help. Uh, Jaderic Willis, Willis, Wills, sorry, is probably the top-ranked O-lineman. There are a couple other ones that might be possible uh, options. But I think it would be a great move for the Giants moving forward to pick up Isaiah Simmons at number four. But I could also see them trade now. Like I've, I've told you many times, the draft is going to start at number four. Unless, of course, the Bengals do what the Bengals do. And, and bang, bangle it up. Ba- bungle it up. Bangle it away. I just want to throw out a couple of stats for Isaiah Simmons before we move on. Okay. He had 28 and a half ta- uh, tackles for loss in, in three seasons. Let me remember, three seasons. 11 sacks, four interceptions, 20 pass deflections, and six forced fumbles. On top of a pretty nice uh, 238 tackles, he said. And I mean, yeah, 238 tackles. So, this guy can do it all. Which is why I almost push him to number one. I don't think it's a clear cut number one. You talk to anybody else, they might they might say otherwise. But number one is Chase Young, defensive end uh, slash outside linebacker out of Ohio State. This guy you is. Tell you're being unbiased. You put two Ohio State guys in your top five, and you, you got, have no lack of disdain for the Buckeyes. I I gotta respect the talent. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. So, and the reason why I almost dropped. Chase down to number two. I watched him play uh, Michigan this year. Michigan shut him down. They they chipped. They slid the line. With a pretty small line, too. They're, they're not a – Michigan's kind of went away from that big bulky line they yeah. usually have. They're, they're trying to spread it out now. And they don't have the big tight ends that they used to have. So they did a lot of chipping with, lineback- with uh, running backs, with fullbacks, with tight ends, double team. And they shut down Chase Young. Now, Chase Young was also coming off of a suspension. I think it was only two games early in the season. So it was like his second game back. So I do give him a little leeway. Coming out of the group a little bit, yeah. Right. He did He did bump it up in the playoffs against um, the playoff game against Clemson. But Chase Young had 30.5 sacks in not, in not three full seasons. 40.5 tackles for loss in not three full seasons. The production's there. This is not Vernon Golston. And Ugh. if you know that name, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. A lot of flash and then nothing came time to show and Ryan leafed it. If Joe Burrow doesn't have the season he has and Tua still has the injury, Chase Young, Chase Young is number one clear cut. Yep. And Cincinnati's training out that pick. Yeah, for sure. I would almost guarantee if that happened, they would trade down because they would want the quarterback. But Chase Young is the number one prospect this year. But that doesn't mean he's going to be number one. Joe Burrow will probably be number one, and Chase Young will go number two. But it'll be interesting to watch. And I'm excited because it actually lines up when we're recording the draft. Yeah. So we might, folks, we might do some live live feedback on the draft. On a draft as it's happening. Exciting. 
probably record a little bit, a little bit later after. But I think we were talking. I think first round starts at eight o'clock. We're talking about starting recording around nine nine thirty. Yeah. Just so we can we can kind of give a little bit of feedback on the picks that already happened, and maybe there'll be something happening when we're actually recording. So like like Ben said, some live feedback, which will be fun. Well, if we nail it down when the Patriots pick, you know something's gonna happen because they're gonna trade out. Yeah, we have no reason to wait till twenty three because they're not gonna do nothing anyways. No. Which is, you know, it's not negative on them. They just they don't make a lot of splashes during the draft in the early rounds. It's not their thing. And they either trade out like they did a couple of years ago. They traded out number thirty two with Baltimore, and Baltimore picked up my guy that I wanted, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, we all we were both. Very high on the Patriots, who, you know, like Tom Brady was getting to the end. He had a few good seasons left, but then they kept trading away. Yep. And the pick right before Baltimore picked them, they had a pick. And we're like, dude, this is a Lamar. This is a Lamar. And they picked, I think they picked Sonny Michelle. And, you know, no, you know, Sony's been okay, but Lamar's been dynamic. Yeah. You gotta, that would have been nice. You got to wonder, man, you know. Had they had they done that, but speaking of Lamar, yeah, what you know, we we just talked about the top five in the draft. Obviously, the Ravens had a real good year last year. They're nowhere near the top five. No, but Lamar Jackson in that entire team, the way it's built, doesn't look like it's really all that far away. It's not from doing what the Chiefs did in February and raising the Lombardi Trophy. I mean. They got Calais Campbell for essentially nothing, which right. is just makes that line even more dangerous and that defense in general. What do you think Lamar Jackson needs specifically on that offense to help him just get over that hump and get past the Chiefs? All right. So as far as free agents, I looked at the wide receivers. Nothing, nothing out there stands out to me and says, hey, hi, how you doing? I'm going to help the team. Unless you're talking about like a Tavon, a Tavon Austin to send back to punt, uh, punt return so that you can get Hollywood Brown off of that. Because I think I think they had Hollywood Brown returning, didn't they? I don't know. I, I know he had very limited snaps. And a guy like Tavon Austin, though, who can play receiver or running back, could be just a kind of, uh, kind of multi-tool player. Well, I wouldn't have to be a star in this offense. Yeah. Uh, but I think he might want a little too much. Oh, so th- there's financially, a, you mean? Yeah. Okay. So I think there's a guy at running back, Ty Montgomery. Now, coming out of mm, Stanford, yeah, yeah. coming out of Stanford, he was a running back slash wide receiver. He was listed that way with his first year in Green Bay also. Yeah. Right. And he tried to morph into a wide receiver, but due to injury concerns, they played him at running back. I think at a veteran's minimum, you can bring him in and pair him with the the – stable running backs you have and it wouldn't take away from anybody in there really it might actually enhance that group and you can take a couple carries away from ingram maybe not not a lot but and and carlos Hyde and Devontae freeman would be good options as well as a number two number three to your point ingram has been has had a very nice career but when he gets used too much he does tend to wear down to the point where Last year. He was not himself late in the season and in the playoffs. And we saw what happened. They ended up getting eliminated because they couldn't run that offense as effectively as they had the remainder of the season earlier in the year. So a guy like Tom Montgomery could come in and really 
I hate to use the term wildcat because it wouldn't necessarily be a traditional wildcat, but like you could have a really, you can line up a guy like Montgomery in a backfield. You don't know if he's going to be receiving running back. If you can line up, you know, line him out, set him out wide, have Lamar do his thing. And you have Ingram in the back just to pound the ball. You have the tight end set up. I could really, if used properly, could elevate the offense. really elevate the offense. Yeah. And I think, if you have, if he has anything left, uh, Charles Clay, who in his career has been kind of like that H back, you know, special mold of tight end, where I would almost say he was a, he kind of got some help from, I know we we shouldn't say the name, but Aaron Hernandez was trying to revolutionize the right. tight end position by being out of the backfield. Not just sprint outs and, and, and screen passes, but also running the ball. Well, here's the thing. Just saying his name is not glorifying anything he did. Right. We're stating what happened on the field. So, I mean, that's it. That, that's all we're doing. So, so Charles there's Clay, nothing if, there. If he had anything left, I'd say that's a good piece because, remember, you had to place, replace Hayden Hurst. Yeah, which I don't think is all that hard. No. I, I've documented before. I don't think Hayden Hurst was all that all that great. Mark Andrews is clearly the guy, the one. So, anybody you bring in. Which which all these guys you've listed would fit perfectly right. as a number two and could more than well, you have more the, than cover what Hayden Hurst did. Well, Boyle or Doyle, Boyle. right? Yeah, but you have him, and, and I just think you need to bring in one piece. I don't bring it. By the way, I don't bring in a tight end rookie to replace Hayden Hurst. I need to bring in a veteran because I'm not, I'm not building this up. I I'm not building up. I'm not trying to build up from the bottom anymore. I have my foundation. Right. I need to add to it. You have a very solid foundation. Right. You need, I think, Darren Fells, a guy who was very underutilized in, in Houston, because yeah. Bill O'Brien doesn't know how to use anybody. Correct. Would fit incredibly well into this offense. And probably you could see a tight end, uh, a two tight end set with he and Mark Andrews that it would not be rivaled by much you've ever seen in, in the league. Now I'm going to hit you with a name, Chris. Okay. Because we're gonna we're gonna shift real quick to the draft. Running back. Now let's say they don't get Ty Montgomery. Let's say they invest in the tight end position. Whatever Charles Clay, Darren Fells, maybe Jordan Reed if they feel like it. Okay. And they don't go. I don't think you touch Reed. He's too dangerous. Too volatile. Agreed. Uh, I put it there because that was the three names. Unless they uh, then they they think there's something else out there. Right. Number one, their number one pick. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a lineman. Because they, uh, Marshall Yonda retired, I believe, correct? Mm-hmm. Pretty sure. So they have to replace him, and they're going to do that at uh, 28. At 55, they have 55 and 60. Now, they could move up if they need to. Um, but it all depends. There's three running backs that they could acquire at 55 or 60 or combo them together, push up a little bit. DeAndre, Sh- DeAndre, DeAndre Swift. Swift out of Georgia. Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State. Out of those three, you know who I would take? J.K. Dobbins. The kid is... Another Ohio State guy. You starting to turn a corner, Ben? No, 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 no. I just respect the talent. That's all. I got you. I got you. P.S. My Michigan Wolverines have produced zero talent the past two or three seasons. Yeah, that's that's accurate. Thank you, Harbaugh, for doing nothing. The Harbaugh's been well. It's yeah. funny because one Harbaugh seems to be helping on another by not being good at Michigan. So correct. I go J.K. Dobbins. 
he is he is the number in some places the number three, some places number four ranked running back in the in the in the running back uh, draft. None of them are at currently. You look at any mock drafts. Not a lot of them are projected number one uh, first round picks, except for DeAndre Swift, which is later in the first round. If you get J.K. Dobbins at fifty five, that is a steal. J.K. Dobbins, you want a comp? Brian Westbrook. Okay. Solid, solid player, yeah. A better Brian Westbrook. Yeah. He is the reason why they were even in that game against Clemson. And if he doesn't get injured, because he came into the game slightly dinged up, if he doesn't get injured, Clemson's not going to the championship game. And Ohio State might win it. You want to know with all this, all the player speculation, the one person I think can really help Lamar Jackson get to the next level? Who? Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has to continue to build off what he did because if he is not the same player, which I believe he can, don't get me wrong, this isn't a knock on him at all. all right. If he can't continue to build on what he did last season, if he just kind of rests on his laurels and thinks that the league's never going to adjust to him, and continues to do what he did, and we're going to see him burn out really quick. I don't think that'll happen. I think Harbaugh's smarter than that. The rest of the coaching staff is smarter than that. Right. He's smarter than that. Absolutely. Being Lamar Jackson. Uh, I mean, he seems like, you know, he's he's flamboyant, and he's a little bit of a character, but he does seem like a good kid. You know, at heart, when you hear him talking in interviews, he seems like he's got his head in the right place. So, I mean, I think he'll be fine. But the number one thing they can do to make sure their franchise quarterback can take it to the level they need him to take it to is make sure his head is in the game and he's always improving. And, and I would like to like in, in a, in a perfect world, I'd like to take that first round pick and say, get a wide receiver. You can w- look at multiple draft projections. It's going to get, I don't want to say it's going to get thin, but you're going to get to number six or seven ranked wide receiver. By the time you get to 28. Yeah. That's going to be real quick. Yeah. It's going to be scary. And then by the time you get to 55, you'll have a bunch more picked off the board. So unless now they have the artillery, they have two seconds, two thirds and their first round pick. Right. Do they want to take their artillery, go all in and go up and get a CD lamb, a Jerry Judy to a team that feels like they don't, they're not a wide receiver away and they want to accumulate picks. I think they do that if they want to burn out really, really quick. If the Ravens want to be a team that we're talking about in three years, saying, man, everyone they had that nice run, start giving away your draft picks for positions you don't need. They prove with Lamar Jackson a solid running game and a really, really good tight end, some good tight end play, that they can be more than dominant. They don't need to sell the farm to move up on a maybe. I agree. I And I know what you're saying as far as if they wanted to, they could with, with that kind of you know draft capital. I just think it'd be a mistake. I think you... You build on Hollywood Brown. He's yeah. shown flashes. He has a lot to offer if you use it right. And they've proven in Baltimore they know how to get the most out of their talent. Um, Who was the kid a couple years ago? He ended up going to San Fran. He was so fast from Baltimore. Can't remember his name. But he was, he was lightning fast. And uh, the name escapes me. But... I don't Hollywood Brown does not strike me as that kind of flash in a pan player. I think he has the talent. Uh, I think they already have their answers at receiver. I think they make sure the line's healthy. They build up good, fundamentally sound, talented players around Lamar to make sure 
with all that talent, Lamar has an outlet to use it because he can be as fast as he wants. If he has no offensive line, he's just Deshaun Watson. Right. No knock on Deshaun, but the way that Houston's run, we've been down that road before. Many times. So. That's why That's why at 28, it makes sense to go the best. I know they're, they're going to be a position where they can get the best player available. I just think they need to lean towards O-linemen, especially Absolutely. with Marshall Yonda. Absolutely. Gotta gotta keep gotta have to keep Lamar Jackson upright or your offense doesn't run. And I wouldn't just say go JK Dobbins. I like JK Dobbins better than Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is a three year starter, and I believe he holds the record of career rushing yards at Wisconsin. And that is not an easy thing to do. No. I, I and I can I'll I will retract that statement if I um if I'm corrected or self correct. But I know J.K. Dobbins set records with his yards, and I believe he is the all-time rushing leader in, in Ohio State. And I know Jonathan Taylor, who is – he is – as much as I'd say he is he was the offense at Wisconsin, he was underutilized in the passing game. The kid's got all the he's, – he's better than Melvin Gordon. And Melvin Gordon came out of Wisconsin. I think he's better. He's a little slighter build. But he, he is fast. He is a determined runner. And either one of those guys go to Baltimore, that that will make that offense that much better. Whereas if you take it and, and get a wide receiver and you take all this draft capital and move up to get a Judy or a CeeDee Lamb, I don't think you're going to see the production. No. I don't think you're going to see the value. And if there's one thing you know about Baltimore, they're all about value. Right. Um. Who was it before? It was uh, Ozzie Newsom, and he handed it over to I don't know the guy now there now, but the Baltimore Ravens, one of those teams that just value players at what position, and they strike when they need to. I.e., Lamar Jackson. Right. Yep. Hundred percent. So moving on. You ready to fight? Yeah. Let's let's argue about our top ten defensive players. Because oh, we we gonna argue. Yeah, we're gonna we have this is gonna be something. We're going to run heads up. We're going to run a little long here, folks. So I don't think if you're still listening, you mind very much. But it's going to be this is going to be interesting because we have not run these lists by one another. We have certain players we know will be on our lists, but then we have others that will surprise each other and the positioning of side players. So a little a little inside rate and little inside radio. We know what number one is for Ben's list. So, yeah. And we, we yeah, Ben, I mean. I don't totally disagree with him, but I think his positioning is a little crazy. But hey, let's do it. We're going to let's get there. Okay. So, again, disclaimer, hate to keep doing this, but these are the top 10 defensive players we've seen in our lifetimes. So, if you're older than us, you've right. seen different players. I can't These are guys we actually saw play in game, not just looked up highlights of to make a list. These are players who we saw time after time perform at a high level. And there's one example that we're going to get if, – if you're a diehard fan and maybe you're a little older than us, you're going to say, why in God's name would you leave that man off the list? Yeah. LT is not on the list. Yeah, Lawrence Taylor isn't on the list simply because a lot of the stats he collected throughout the years just were not kept official until the very late stages of his career. And he'd already run into – some issues by that point when we really started watching. I mean, well, I was born in 83. You were 84. Mm-hmm. So 
seven or eight years old when he really started probably getting into watching football on TV. I think mine is like 95 is when I started. I remember from a real young age. I had no idea what I was watching, but I remember from a real young age. I don't really remember a lot of Lawrence Taylor actually playing. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I watched some of those giant Super Bowls, but I can't really remember it. So I can't put him on the list because I don't remember seeing it. So these are players who we have actually witnessed play, make an impact. Some of them are stat-based, accumulation of stats, to be honest. Others are just straight-up impact on the game. So now that I just gave you a 20-minute explanation to a 30-second question, let's get to our list. Ben, you do the honors with your 10th best defensive player you've ever seen. Rodney Harrison. Rodney. All right. Two teams. New England and San Diego. All right. Love me some Rodney Harrison. The man's two-time Pro Bowler, two-time AP first team, one-time AP all second team. One of two players in NFL history to have 30 interceptions and 30 sacks. Not to mention the – he is the prototypical box safety, but he is the first elevation of the safety position. And we'll get to the next elevation later in the list. I have, spoiler, I have Rodney on my list, so I'm going to hold back on my comments on him for for now mm-hmm. because I just don't want to have nothing to say when I get to him on my list. All right. He's just he, – he, when he went to New England, he raised his profile. He took over for Lawyer Molloy, who was um, unceremoniously yeah. let go. Yeah, that went. And he he basically took over that defense with Richard Seymour, Teddy Bruschi, Willie McGinnis, and they win three Super Bowl, two Super Bowls with with Rodney. With him leading the team, and his on field presence just exudes. And I'll add this: it's a shame that he's not in the Hall of Fame already. Well, who do you have number 10 there, Chris? London Fletcher. Now, you might say that's not the sexiest name you're ever going to hear when it no. comes to defensive players. But, again, consistency. Played for three teams. The Rams, who we won a Super Bowl with. The Bills and the Redskins. Had over 2,000 career tackles. 23 picks. Almost 40 sacks. Played every single game of his 16-year career. Consistency. Stats. Played at a high level. Some of the teams he were on weren't always so great. But he himself, I always remember from a young age, always hearing the name London Fletcher to the point where when he came a couple years ago, I thought the guy was like 60 still playing. I mean, it just seemed like he played forever. I mean, from the time I can remember watching football, I can remember hearing that name. Or at least it seems that way. So for me, just for the consistency and the quality of play, I, I, he's number 10 for me. So, who do you have on nine? Number nine. One second, I was looking something up. Ty Law. Mm, okay. So, um, he's a Hall of Famer, five time Pro Bowler, two time AP first team, obviously, three time Super Bowl champion. 24th on the list with 53 interceptions career. 
the man would shut down half the field. That's all I got to say. He wasn't scared to tackle. No. He even played at a decently level when he went to the Jets. And he had a marginal season with the Kansas City Chiefs for, I believe it was his last year. The swagger, he is the definition of a corner. The swagger, the prestige, that and, and the honestly, the memory that you want in a corner. And what I mean by that, I mean, even if he gives up a big play, he forgets about it, moves on, and acts like he never gave it up. And that's what you want out of your number one corner. And that's why I put him at number nine. He's just, he's just that talented. No argument here. Love uh, one of the first jerseys I ever had was Ty Law. You could shut down. I mean, he was the band of Peyton Manning's existence for a good four or five seasons there. Number nine for me, people again, much like London Fletcher, are going to go, really? Number nine for me, Luke Kinkley. Wow. The I almost didn't put him on the list simply because he retired. Mm-hmm. After last season, after eight years, very short career. Um, and I almost didn't put him on the list only because his stats obviously retiring will never accumulate more unless, you know, something unforeseen happens and he gets the health to come back. But all of his stats, not only was he dominant when he played, like few players were. I mean, the guy just took over a game on the defensive side of the ball. Like, only few other linebackers I've seen before do. Played 118 games as a linebacker, 18 picks, almost 1,100 tackles, 13 sacks. I mean, if you broke down those numbers on a per-game basis, mm-hmm. by far, on average, number by, you know, pound for pound, some of the best of all time. Right. Without a doubt. And and you can make the argument saying, make your argument against it, that's fine. But for me, the guy was just everywhere all the time. Almost, almost to Ray Lewis level. Almost. I would, I, would, I, I can't disagree with that. I just didn't put him on the list because shorter career. Understandable. I, I had a hard time with that too, but I, in the end, I thought I saw enough to put him there. Who's number eight? Number eight. I respect this guy tremendously because he did it for such a long time and did it at one position. Daryl Green. Daryl Green, okay. The Washington Redskins. He played from 1983 to 2002. 1883, are you kidding me? I played 200 years. He was playing corner when they were fighting the Revolutionary War. He didn't shift the safety. No, which a lot of corners do after seven or eight years. Right. He stayed out there. The entire career, he stayed out there. Now, understandably, in that long of a period, I mean, we're talking 20 seasons, he only accumulated seven Pro Bowls, one AP first team, two AP all second team. Doesn't seem like a lot for a guy who played 20 years. He has two Super Bowls. He has the 1996 Walter Payton Man of the Year. 
He's also 21st on the list with 54 interceptions. And the man just played forever. And he kept himself conditioned enough to play cornerback at a high enough level. Deion Sanders came out of retirement to play with the Redskins, I believe, in the same time period. And then he left, and I think he joined the – was he on the Ravens? Who's that? Prime. Think. Prime was on the Ravens at the end of his career, yeah. I think he played both, though. Yeah. But he outplayed Prime. And Prime was younger than Daryl Green. So I can't make this list without Daryl Green being on it. Just because you, I can understand this stack collection – you know, of course, you're going to have 54 interceptions in 20 seasons. He played at a high enough level for a team to put him on the field at cornerback with whatever players, even though each and every year they were getting faster and bigger and more difficult to cover. No, I can't, I can't knock it. I mean, I don't have Daryl Green on my list, but just because I looked at the numbers and the numbers weren't there. But I can understand. Like I, I put London Fletcher on the list. A lot of people wouldn't because of the same thing, consistency. At a very physical position. So, no, I can't. I wouldn't do it, but I can't knock it. Number eight for me, the aforementioned Ty Law. Uh, for all the reasons you stated, I don't need to continue to just spot off all his accomplishments. Many, many numerous accomplishments. Uh, I forgot that he played for the Broncos, though. But it's oh. obviously had his glory years in New England with the with Super Bowl champion teams early in the 2000s. Then went to the Jets. Played for the Chiefs and the Broncos towards the end of his career. Numbers are all there. Like I said, was the bane of Peyton Manning's existence for oh. a good five or six years. I mean, every time Peyton Manning was mounting a comeback, Ty Law was there to Nuh-uh. do something to disrupt his his momentum. No, sir. No, I sir. Mean, he shut was down, not having that. Shut down half a field at a time against some of the best offenses you'll ever see. And we're not just talking about regular season. No, playoffs too. He made his yeah. bones. In oh the yeah. He was he was a playoff monster, which is again those, where it comes to, um, to, to also. You take those fifty three interceptions, twenty yeah. fourth all time. Yep. I didn't check his, his playoff numbers. No. That'll that bumps it Absolutely. Up. One big one though, the the in the zero zero game in Super Bowl thirty six, picking off Kurt Warner, who was the MVP that year, and just ran over defenses at will. And and I remember being a kid watching that. And being like, oh, my God, is my favorite team actually about to win a Super Bowl? Yes. Like against, yeah. And it sounds crazy now after the success they had. But back then, it was like you were waiting for them to what you were waiting for them to Patriots it up and, and just blow it somehow, and they just didn't. You're waiting for 1997. Exactly, yeah. 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 So who's number seven? Number seven. This, this is going to cause some controversy. And not because of who he is, just because not a long career. 10 years is, uh, I guess, 11. It's a, it's a decent years. Uh, but Derek Thomas. Okay. Linebacker with the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, this th- he is one of my early memories. Him and Barry Sanders are, are some of my early memories yep. of watching football. He's in the Hall of Fame uh, post-Thomas. Uh, unfortunately, he's not with us anymore. As you got died in a car accident in his prime of his career, yes. unfortunately, yeah. Nine-time Pro Bowler, two-time AP first team, three-time AP second team. Um, 1998 
1989, Defensive Rookie of the Year. 1993, Walter Payton, Man of the Year. In 11 seasons, 126 sacks, 17th all-time, and still holds the record for single-game sacks Mm -hmm. with seven. It's incredible. Players have come close, but nobody has put in 7.5 up on the board. I don't have him on my list, but he was just outside the top 10, only because I don't remember directly seeing him play a whole lot. I don't know whether it was just the way the games because we didn't have red zone back when we were younger. No. That's only that's a newer thing to you know this sound like an old man now, but the newer generation has all this fanciness. So we had our game on CBS, our game on Fox, and Monday Night Football. That's what we had when we were kids. Uh, I don't even think for a long time there was Sunday night. Probably not. Um, I don't think I can remember. It was it was the one o'clock game, the four o'clock game, and then Monday night. That's all you had, and occasionally end of the year you had a Saturday day game, a Saturday game. So I don't. I think a lot of times when the Patriots were on, the Chiefs were on too. I just don't remember watching him play a whole lot. I also so. lived uh, so probably like my earliest memory of football is the um, Super Bowl with the Chargers and the Niners because mm-hmm. I just remember the Niners just absolutely obliterated. Oh, I wasn't even close. Yeah, I was bad. So um, I didn't move up to Mass until '97. Right. So, first few years that I remember football uh, was in the Pennsylvania, Philadelphia kind of area. So you were exposed to them a lot more than I was. I was exposed yeah. to different coverages of right. sports, whereas you would be up here, different coverages. And obviously, Patriots uh, would be the first and foremost. Even though they weren't very good, I'd still watch them every weekend. Correct. And they would watch them every Sunday. And, you know, then once they inevitably somehow choked. I would go outside and play or play video games or something. So I wasn't doing a whole lot of watching past the Pats back then. But who you got at number seven? Seven, Darren Sharper. Now, this is a name I did not think I would have on the list because uh, just, I don't know. Like, just doesn't. I, I never really saw him as somebody who I'd put on this list, but the numbers are there. Numbers are there very much. I mean, 63 career interceptions, 11 return for a touchdown, the same as yeah. your favorite player. Almost 1,000 career tackles. Uh, does have a Super Bowl with New Orleans. Uh, played for Green Bay and two teams over the course of his career, so he wasn't bouncing around from team to team. Uh, like I said, this is not somebody I expected to put on the list, but when I put other guys on the list who played the same amount of games and have the same amount of stats, mm-hmm. I have a hard time not with those accomplishments. So for the sake of consistency, I had to put them there. I I, I understand that. And I, and we're going purely on the field and stuff. Right. Exactly. No, no. Yeah. I'm not going to see. Yeah. There's nothing to do with anything. Anybody off the field. This because, is, yeah. this is strictly, even... strictly just stats. What you watched on the field. Yeah. Cause uh, I didn't even think of them to be honest. Cause as soon as, I mean, we could say what it is, but because he was actually convicted. But you can look it up yourself if you want to on Darren Sharper. Yeah, not not a role model by any means. I'm simply going on the stats on the field. But as it. soon as that happened, I basically put him out of my mind. Yeah, forever. Well, it's like, just, it's like Aaron Hernandez. Like you know, we don't we don't think about him. We think about the Patriots. It's yeah. just something you don't you don't want to think about the negatives. But I can understand that. Number six. Number six. Ray Lewis. 
At six? At six. At six. At six. We're canceling the podcast right now. <laughs> oh, my God. I'll go down the list of what he is. and Oh, I know what he is. I'm not, I'm not a fan. Don't get me wrong. Hall oh, my famer. God, man. Six? 13-time Pro Bowler, seven-time AP first team, three-time AP second team. He is a 2000 and 2003 Defensive Player of the Year, two Super Bowls. He is the other player that has 30 sacks and 30 interceptions. So that's Rodney and Ray, the only two players in NFL history that have 30 sacks and 30 interceptions. By the way, Luke Kinkley probably would have gotten it too. I think Kinkley would have gotten a lot of these, honestly. It's the only reason I put him on here. But he's he's six. Because I just think the other five are just that much better. Like your argument with the receiver where it's like when you get to a certain point, yeah, it's just, it, it yeah, just, okay, all right. There's an accumulation of so much talent that I don't want to say it takes away from him, but it elevates a couple other players a little bit more. I very, very much disagree, but I can understand the whole I can't put him above certain players thing. So, okay. For me, number six, Rodney Harrison. Wow. I You said it. He came to a team. He was already a borderline Hall of Famer when he left the Chargers. Correct. Already a borderline Hall Absolutely. of Famer. Absolutely. If he had retired right then, he would have probably had Hall of Fame stats. The reason he's not in the Hall of Fame is the media doesn't like him because he wasn't always friendly, which is ironic now because he's a part of the media. Correct. Yeah. And people seem to like him now, but you have that that – this still has that moniker. Yeah, exactly. He has that moniker. And, and this is a guy who would hit people so hard. They changed rules because of Rodney Harrison. Yeah, that's fact. That's not an opinion. That's fact. That's they, fact. They, there was that, that, I believe it was 03, that game against the Colts in the AFC Championship game, where they, and these are all legal hits, mind you. These weren't illegal, low, like cheap shot hits, head shots. These were just straight up man to man, knocking the crap out of people. Rodney Harrison, I think it was Reggie Wayne. Or was it Marvin? I remember Reggie Wayne or Harrison. But they just continued. Every time they went over the middle, Rodney Harrison was just laying them out to the point where the Colts went to the competition committee and whined enough to get physicality rules changed because they couldn't handle how physical the Patriots are being with them. Wasn't Bill Pullian part of the competition committee, I believe? I think so. I think he was. Yeah, he's a... He's a uh... Another one of those, much like Sean Payton, just dips his hand into yeah. the competition and just says, let me manipulate it my way. If you wanted to play finesse, you did not want to see Rodney Harrison on the field. He scared you. He got he was one of the most penalized, financially penalized players in league history because okay. he had almost a stigma to him where he, you know, you'd hit he'd hit someone really hard and they just assumed it was a dirty hit, so he'd get penalized. Right. And some of that. I mean, it's like I didn't like him before he came to the Patriots, mind you. Oh, agreed. When agreed. I when he was when he was on the Chargers, I hated that guy. I was like, oh my god, I hate Rodney Harrison so much. The minute he was on our side, I was like, oh, Rodney, let's go. We come got Rodney. Full, come, come on, Rodney. Full, yeah. Buddy. So I'm a little bit of a hypocrite there, but I can admit that. But at least you admit it, though. I can admit it's, it. It's the plus. And uh, yeah, no, I, he's he's one of the best I ever saw. Five. Revis Island. Darrell Revis. At <sighs> he's not five. on. My, he's not on my top. He's not in top ten. He's not in my top ten. Wow, seven-time Pro Bowler, four-time AP First Team, won a Super Bowl with the Patriots. The Patriots. Astonishingly, only twenty-nine interceptions. And why is that only twenty-nine? 
there were not games, ladies and gentlemen, not portions of games, not weeks. There were years where teams would not throw to Darrell Rivas for fear of it getting picked for a pick six or just no, nothing's going to happen over there, which is why he was called for a nice portion of his career, Rivas Island, because receivers go on the, on Rivas Island to die. They just don't do anything. Sounds like a really crappy vacation. It does. And for most receivers in the AFC, and mind you, this is 07 to, 07 to 17. That is the prime of the Patriots' second kind of win of uh, championship run. Because And... Revis was there for their two AFC championship games. The Jets? For the Jets. Yeah. But they couldn't get over the hump. Because yeah, they're still the Jets. But they're still Jets. Even, even with a talent like Revis, they're still the Jets. I mean, they had Sanchez, who, let's let's be let's be honest. Oh, yeah, the Buffalo. The Buffalo. most famous play in, in NFL history. At least Jets history. No, I, 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 I didn't. For me, Reeves just didn't do it long enough. I just, I just think I he couldn't put, put him on there. Yeah, but he, he just took away half the field for a large portion of his career, and then when he went to New England, it took like three or four weeks, and then all of a sudden we just saw Reeves Island. And yeah, yeah. Brought, and then yeah. Brian, Brandon Browner came back, and that defense was just on another level. And it they, just, I remember, I remember very well when they got him because he went from the Jets to Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay. Bay cut him because he wasn't he had, I believe he had torn his ACL the year before. I think so. And they let him go and the Patriots picked him up and they're like, Oh, what does he have left? What does he have left? And like you said, once he got a couple of games under his belt and got back in the swing of things, he was he was locked down again. So that Super Bowl was that was which one was that, Chris? The the, the Falcons. Oh, fifty one. Right, the Falcons. Even though they got they only went up twenty eight three. When it was crunch time, that defense locked down. Now he there were he other... wasn't he wasn't on there on that one. He was in forty nine against uh, the Seahawks. Oh, Seahawks. Yep. Right. Too many Super Bowls, Chris. Remember, good Brandon. Yeah, <laughs> just forget them. That's first world <laughs> problems, folks. First, yeah, first world football problems. Too many championship appearances. Remember which one was which. They all just get convoluted. Yeah, but no, they're all special was, in their own way. That was, I mean, even though Malcolm Butler is the one who made the play, I mean, that was. You're slowing down uh, the Super Bowl champion from the previous year. Yeah, the Seahawks offense was really good at that time, yeah. Who do you got at five? Ed Reed. Wow. Ed Reed. Love me some Ed Reed, man. I mean, who Great can't, who play. can't I mean, love I mean, I, I hated him on the field as a Patriots fan because every time they played the Pats, he was a nightmare for us. But, I mean, I can respect the hell out of his game. Only one Super Bowl. He wasn't there for the first one in Baltimore. Right. Actually, I forgot he played. He actually also played for the Jets. And, his uh, and, and the Texans, right after Baltimore. Yep. He flirted with uh, the Patriots. As a safety, 64 interceptions. I know. That's crazy. And again, the the six almost only 650 tackles. Uh, seven of those, by the way, were run back for touchdowns, the touch uh, interceptions. Yes. Only 650 tackles because in, in 174 games, mind you, he much like what you were saying with Revis, teams just stayed away from him because oh, they were terrified of him. But he was a safety, so he was a little more all over the place. But he was, I mean, he, him and Ray Lewis just wreaked havoc on this league defensively for way too many years. They were, they were 
scary. Like when you went against Baltimore, you're like, oh, great. Well, we better not give up more than 14 points because they're not scoring more than that against them. And the only time they had like little lows is when they couldn't claw, like, like they had Chris McAllister for a while, but they, in, until they couldn't plug another mm-hmm. premier corner in is when they had the little bit of dips or on the defensive line when they couldn't get their replacements, but then they got T sizzle and then it was over. Yeah. But who do you got? Number four, number four, Ed Reed, Ed Reed. Okay. And he flirted with the Patriots at the end of his career. Yeah, he did. I really wish that would have happened. Bill tried because Bill Belichick loves Bill Ed Reed. loves Ed Reed. There is no no other non Patriot Bill loves more than Ed Reed. I think it's feelings mutual too. They've oh, always they have a lot of respect for one another, especially when they're at the Pro Bowl. By yeah. the way, nine Pro Bowls. At one point, Bill was there with him, and he Bill did some of his best recruiting at the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. He tried, but unfortunately, like you said, he went to the Texans and the Jets. So, uh. He's seventh all time with those sixty four interceptions at safety. As a safety, yeah, at as safety. a safety, that's incredible. And he's the player. When I mentioned Rodney Harrison, that that box safety that took the next level. This is the this is the player that took whatever Rodney Harrison did and said, "No, this is what I'm gonna do at free safety, and I'm gonna elevate the game." And this is, I know I'm early on this. This is the this is the player that Isaiah Simmons could become together with Rodney Harris. And he could elevate the the, the wow. whole safety position, safety slash linebacker, because I see him more as a safety. If you could have your name in the same group with either of those guys, you're in pretty good company. Who you got at number four? Number four, I have Bruce Smith. Oh, wow. Nice. Uh, I mean, as a Patriots fan, I, I mean – Smith played the latter part of his career for the Redskins. Yep. First part of his career, he terrorized everybody with the Buffalo Bills during that run where they made the four. Sorry if I'm hitting a nerve here, folks. They made the four in a row, Super Bowls, and didn't win any. But he was still a hell of a defensive player, all-time leader in sacks with 200, almost 1,100 tackles from a position that doesn't necessarily see a lot of tackles. So he was wrapping up the, wrapping up offensive players left and right also. Played uh, almost 280 games, consistent, dominant, at a very physical position where you're getting beat up all the time. Guy was a beast, and, I mean, the stats alone, never mind actually seeing him play a lot. And much like Ed Reed, I can I appreciate the talent, but, man, I hated seeing him on the other side of the ball when my team was on offense. Just deserves his just due for all his accomplishments. Absolutely. I mean, just hell of a player. We got Number three? Number three. Bruce Smith. Bruce Smith. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, 11-time Pro Bowler, 8-time AP first team, 3-time AP second team. Obviously, he's a Hall of Famer. Twice Defensive Player of the Year. And like you mentioned, the 200 career sacks, mm-hmm. which is first. It's there's it's not negotiable that he is on his top five. And I just don't think you could put him anywhere else other than in the top three. Obviously, he was he was in discussion for the top two. But I have two other players ahead of him. But I can't discredit what Bruce Smith did on the Buffalo Bills and on the hapless Washington Redskins because he, unfortunately, he collected stats when he was on the Redskins. Yeah, they weren't real competitive, but that wasn't his fault. No, it wasn't his fault. Who you got at number three? Number three, 
Your boy Charles Woodson. Ah, uh, there he is. I'm not really sure why he's a hack. Doesn't belong here. That's I try to get you fired up. That's no, not funny. Woodson, Woodson That's is, not funny. Woodson, I mean, his resume speaks for itself. 65 career picks, 11 for return for a touchdown, over 1,200 tackles, 20 sacks, countless Pro Bowls. I can only imagine how many, you know, first team. Don't worry, I have them all. I know you have all. That's why I'm not trying to run it all down because I know, I know you have him on your list too. I mean, the guy, he also had the intangible. He had that it factor that you just – you knew if you weren't accountable when you were on a Charles Woodson defense – you were going to hear about it from Charles Woodson. He made sure that you did what you had. The Patriots fan coming out. You did your job when you were around Charles Woodson. If you didn't, you'd hear about it. He'd get in your face. He made people around him better. Uh, I mean, one, I mean, one of the most remarkable careers I can remember seeing. And I was fortunate enough to actually see it really be in the football from just about the time I got into it. When he started, all the way to the end of his career, and played for uh, Oakland and Green Bay, won his championship in Green Bay, right. as you very well know. Yes, um, I'm more talking to them now than you because you're smiling like a Cheshire cat over there. Um, I'm trying to hold myself back. I know, I know, but I'm I'm going to stop talking about him now because I know you're going to have a good 20 minute diatribe on Woodson when when your pick comes around. So yep. you have a two, the man. Reggie White. Reggie White. All right. The Minister of, of Defense. He tra- He belongs in the top three because he is the first, I don't want to say the first official free agent, but he was the first free agent that did the, I'm going to visit all these places. He was wine and dine, and he went from Philadelphia to Green Bay, which was a gut punch to Philly. And Green Bay just took him and got him what he deserved, which is the one Super Bowl. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a 13-time Pro Bowler. He's an eight-time AP first-teamer. Five-time AP second-teamer. 1998 Defensive Player of the Year. And he's two sacks short of Bruce Smith. He is two sacks. Well, I'm spoiler. He's also my number two. That makes sense. Um, He is two sacks short, but he played 47 fewer games. So he played do math now 32 damn near three fewer seasons it was only two sacks short he so played three seasons more than uh, bruce smith played three seasons more that makes sense what i just said yeah three essentially three seasons all the numbers are there almost 200 almost 200 uh sacks just about the same number of tackles as, as bruce smith but he said in a lot fewer games and he had one of the cooler nicknames in all of all of all of football, the minister of defense. Minister of defense. I, I mean, mean, you can't, you can't. I mean, he was a game wrecker. It's stunning that he only has one Super Bowl, but unfortunately, for a good portion of his career, he was in, in, in Philadelphia, and Philadelphia had. See, some I always runs. remember him as a Packer. That's when I really got into I watching football a lot. Yeah, so I remember him too, and unfortunately, he terrorized in '97. Uh, your boy Drew Bledsoe. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was, pretty, it was pretty bad for old Drew. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you if you want to go and do your number one first, since you understand where I'm going to go, and it might go a little long. Okay, well, we're running a, quite a bit long, so we got to try to keep this in check. I'll try. Number one for me, I, I struggled with Reggie White. I, I, I did think about the guy 
you're going to choose for one. Uh, for me, it's Ray Lewis. I have never seen anybody just completely take over games the way he would. He would be everywhere. You'd watch one play and he'd be, you know, covering the tight end. You'd watch another play and he'd be causing a fumble, hitting somebody over the middle. The next play he'd be rushing the quarterback. He was when you were on a defense, you were on Ray Lewis's defense. Uh, well, if you were on it with him, that doesn't make sense if you're on a different team. But if you were on it, Ray Lewis, if you were on the Ravens, yeah. You were on Ray Lewis's team. He was the heart and soul of the team. He was annoying as hell as a member of a team that was opposing yours. But, my God, if you cannot respect the talent of Ray Lewis, I really don't know what you're doing watching football. The guy had over 2,000 career tackles. He had 31 career interceptions, 41 and a half sacks. Those are just the stats I picked up because I didn't want to go forever on every player. Yeah. We kind of both went different places with the accomplishments for a reason, so we weren't kind of regurgitating the same stuff. There's not many players I can think of who commanded the kind of respect and attention that Ray Lewis did. He, t- he took over every game he was in. Yeah. I can't, and I'm not, I'm not, you know me, I am not the world's biggest Ray Lewis fan by any means. That is, ladies and gentlemen, that's fact. By any means. But as somebody who's going to sit here objectively and look at talent and all the Things I just mentioned, he's the best I've ever seen. So, okay, Ben. The number one defensive player that I've ever watched, and quite frankly, I would argue is one of the greatest defensive players of all time. I just want to point out something real quick. That's why you did all that Ohio State goodwill. You could come out and use your karma, then not have anybody argue with you on this. But go ahead. Sir, that is not true. So I am going to put on display the 1997 Heisman Trophy Award winner, Charles Woodson. He was the last defensive player to win that award, by the way. He was what? The last. He's the only. Oh, the only, oh not only last, the only one ever He won. is the okay. only. Uh, I have to put it in correct context. He is the only defense person to win the Heisman Trophy Award as defense as their primary position. Okay. Okay. you understand yeah. that. Yeah. A lot of two-way players in college. So yeah. A lot of two-way players, and some of their prime positions are the other side of the ball. Right. But he is – and he did play some wide receiver and, and punt returning. Um, he is one of two players with 40 career interceptions and 20 sacks. Obviously, he has a Super Bowl ring. 1998 Defensive Rookie of the Year. The 2008 Defensive Player of the Year. Nine Pro Bowls. Three AP first teams. Three AP second teams. By the way, two of the AP second teams hey, are – Hey, you're turning red. Take a breath. <laughs> two of the AP second teams are corner. The third one – is at safety. So the man transitioned extremely well yeah. to safety. Not only that, <clears throat> he was discarded, disregarded out of Oak, Oakland, LA, whatever you want to call them. He was thrown in the trash heap. Green Bay picked him up and saw what he had left and by 2009 had turned himself into the most elite player in the league. It's funny that, they, that Oakland, which kind of – Tells you why Oakland was in a condition they were in for a while. Didn't think he had anything left because he was still playing well when Oakland let he him just, go. He just had a knee, a leg injury. I think it was a fracture or a broken leg. Yeah, but and he, they just. I mean, it might have been. I guess it might have been a salary saving move. But he went to Green Bay. Played at an insanely high level. I mean, you, you could say resurrected his career, but like you said, he was only down because of injury. It wasn't. It wasn't like he had. He was playing and just not producing. Like whenever he was on the field, he was making stuff happen. Absolutely. He 
He is the reason why Aaron Rodgers has a Super Bowl ring. No, no. Yes. Aaron Rodgers is, is the, Aaron Rodgers is the only reason anything good ever happens. Because they are not as good. Those corners and safeties and that defense is not as good. To your point, if he doesn't elevate their game, right. holds them responsible. He made plays, forced fumbles, fumble recoveries for touchdowns, pick sixes, playing safety, slot corner, left corner, right corner, all in Green Bay. What every player on our list, and I know we we you know we had some similarities, have in common is what you just mentioned, and that is they made everybody around them better. Absolutely. You did it better than Charles Woodson. And I'll end with this. When he went back to Oakland, L.A., whatever you want to call it, I don't care what It was name. Oakland, man. When he went back, because he went back, he held, held no ill will. He went back on the purpose to play safety and teach the young guys there yep. how to play the game. And he ended his career as one of the – most beloved Oakland Raiders ever still is one of the most beloved Oakland Raiders ever. He is by far one of the greatest players to set foot on the field. And Ben apparently just because he doesn't want to drop his mic, just drops his pen. So it's not cheap, man. I guess, oh, I know. I know. I hear you. I'm not, I'm not knocking. I'm just saying, uh, just for those people wondering what that sound was, Ben, that was my mic. Drop. In, in effect, dropped his mic slash pen. So I take it he's good on his uh, Charles Woodson. Yeah, I didn't want to go too long because we went long and other stuff. But anyone wants to hear a diatribe about how Charles Woodson's the best, hit me up. I will educate you on Charles Woodson. He, he's not lying, trust me. Because we didn't even dip he, yeah, into no. college, and I could dip no. into college. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe someday. But we're gonna we're gonna skip that for now. We've already gone quite a bit long, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get out of here. Hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Please, as always, let us know what you thought of any of our topics. And Ben, where can they do that? Uh, you can hit us up on Facebook. That's Ben and Chris Talk Football. Uh, you'll have to hit me again with the, the Twitter. Your Twitter handle is BCTSPod. At BCTSPod. And that's on Twitter. And that is under the Ben and Chris Talk Sports. And once again, we are trying to figure out, for whatever reason... Facebook is not allowing us to change our name, no matter how many times we contact them. So we will change it to Ben and Chris Talk Sports, much like the logo and every other form of social media we have, once Facebook allows us to. Or just create a brand new page, honestly. At this point, that may be our only option. Anyways, that's going to do it for us. For Ben, I am Chris. Thank you so much for listening. Please, everybody, stay safe out there. Stay healthy. We will see you right back here Friday morning. Thank you.